You are listening to Ill-Advised, a show of ideas and insights for women who are ready to bet on themselves, go all in, and take that leap into faith, even if doing so could be considered ill-advised. I'm your host, Jessica L. Let's see what happens. Joseph Campbell said, each time there is the same problem, do I dare? And then if you do dare, the dangers are there and the help also, and the fulfillment or the fiasco. There's always the possibility of fiasco, but there's also the possibility of bliss. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Ground Zero of the Ill-Advised Podcast, where we will be talking about making big decisions, going all in on our dreams, and betting on ourselves. I am coming to you from sunny Arizona, about to take a big leap into faith of my own, And so I want to share something that I think is so important when it comes to these big life decisions. And that thing is embracing the possibility of fiasco, as Joseph Campbell put it, which is basically the possibility that things don't go as you planned. And in fact, that they go much worse than you expected. So in this episode, I am going to tell you why embracing the possibility of fiasco is so important and a few ways you can make peace with the worst case scenario. But first, I want to talk about the importance of the decisions that we make. So our decisions make our lives what they are. And over time, we are defined by our decisions. There are probably some instances where this is really easy to see. So like you meet someone who went to medical school and they likely say, you know, I am a doctor. Or a woman who decides to get married assumes an identity as a wife. So those are big life-defining, identity-defining decisions. But then there are the small ones that also define us over longer periods of time. So for instance, if you decide to regularly go on runs, over time, you probably identify yourself as a runner or someone who cares about their health. And then the third way that decisions define us is not so much in the decisions themselves, you know, like taking this job instead of that one or living in a big city versus a small one, but in how we choose to make the decisions themselves. I actually think that the way we make decisions is more defining than what those decisions actually are. In almost every choice you are presented, whether it's big or small, you are also presented with the choice of being courageous, of doing the thing that frightens you and betting on yourself. Or you have the choice of playing it safe, doing the thing that feels more familiar, doing the thing that exposes you to less perceived risk. And the way that you habitually decide whether you bet on yourself or you play it safe, that is going to have a profound effect on your experience of life and how big, magical, and expansive it is. I'm going to describe how I used to make decisions, and maybe you will recognize yourself in this. As far back as I can remember, I would make decisions by starting with a pro and con list, right? Like pros here, cons there. And I would do a lot of research. I would ask for a lot of advice. And I would think a lot about what made quote unquote sense. If you've ever made a pro and con list about two options, I am willing to bet 
that you could make an argument in both directions for both choices, right? Like, because everything is like that. Everything has both its good and its bad. And if you're making these decisions exclusively on logic and a pro and a con list, I don't think you're going to get that far. At least I never have. So I would get so spun up in all of the data, all of my logic, all of my lists, that I would just be paralyzed. And I'd be miserable for days, weeks, sometimes months. And there was one instance where it was a year before I could make a decision. And then what would happen is this. I would freak out and I would just pick anything to get some relief from myself. In every instance of this cycle, in every instance of you know starting out, I'm gonna make my list, I'm gonna analyze the data, I'm gonna ask for feedback, and then I'm going to stew and vacillate and go back and forth, and then I'm going to freak out and just pick something. In every instance of that cycle, the thing I chose was always to maintain the status quo or to go with the less risky route. Can you relate to that? Our brains are designed to default to survival and taking the route that has a greater likelihood of risk is never going to be our default. Like I finally figured that out, but for the longest time, I didn't realize that. I I very specifically did not realize that I was choosing safety. The whole time, in every iteration of the cycle, what I thought I was doing was choosing the thing that quote unquote made sense. But if I had zoomed out and seen my life as a whole, I would have seen that my decisions actually made no sense at all because they were counter to my goals. So like my goal was to become a lawyer and I chose not to go to law school. My goal was to become a full-time author So I took a full-time job doing something else instead of writing, despite the fact that I had the financial stability and the family support to write full-time if I had just taken the leap. But in all of these cases, what I was absolutely unwilling to do was gamble. But decision-making, especially when you come to these points of life, it's always gonna be a gamble. We never know what the outcome is going to be. And that is true of every moment, of every day, whether you happen to think about that fact very often or not. What I want to do in this podcast, in all of my work, in my coaching, what I want to encourage you to do is to bet on yourself and to make choices that align with your goals every time, not ones that align with your fear. I'm going to say that again, because I think it is so important. Make choices that align with your goals, not choices that align with your fear. Bet on yourself. Bet on your ability to learn, to adapt, to solve problems, and to have your own back. And like, okay, I want to pause because this is great, right? This is all very motivational, very encouraging. And this is the kind of thing, like this type of advice. I would hear it and I would feel very like rah-rah. And then I would get back to my house and all of the doubt and all of the uncertainty 
would come rushing back in like the moment that I was alone. So like, let's talk about that. Because unless you deal with the uncertainty, it will stop you every time you think you're ready to make the leap. And it's what Joseph Campbell was talking about, the possibility of fiasco. Until you deal with that, it's going to stop you. So here is, here is a few thoughts on how you can make peace with the possibility of fiasco. The first thing I want you to know is that you are going to have to tap into faith. But more importantly, like you're going to have to tap into self-trust. The only way that you are going to make peace with the possibility of a fiasco is to believe that you have what it takes to figure it out. It's not about reducing the risk to a degree that you find acceptable. And the reason for that is that your brain is always going to find some other risk associated with your plan that has an unacceptable degree of likelihood, right? So if you solve for risk A, risk B is going to pop up and you'll start to fixate on that. Like it's like playing whack-a-mole. Playing whack-a-mole with your doubts it is a losing proposition. So what you're going to have to do is tap into your belief, faith, in yourself that no matter what, even if the worst happens, you will be able to meet the challenge, you'll be able to rise, you'll be able to survive, and you'll be able to carry on. Secondly, we need to look at what your version of fiasco looks like and confront it head on. Like if you're going to make peace with this possibility of fiasco, you have to know what it actually looks like and what is running around in that mind of yours. So write it down, like get it on paper where you can look at it. And I, this sounds awful to me. Like the idea of writing down my worst case scenarios is never super appealing. But here's the thing, there's nothing you have to do with it. But I don't want you to look at this piece of paper every day and scare yourself. What we need to do is just acknowledge its presence, right? Acknowledge that this scary possibility exists in your mind because it doesn't exist anywhere else, right? The possibility of a future fiasco does not exist in the present moment It doesn't actually exist in the future because the future hasn't happened yet. The only place it exists is in your mind. So what I don't want you to do is to start assessing and judging the likelihood of this scenario coming to pass. That is something that I would have done. I would have written down my worst case scenario, like just say, for example, I'm going to quit my job And then I'll run out of money and then I'll never be able to find another job because I don't have a job right now. And then I'm going to lose my house. And usually at that point, when when we get to the lose the house fear, that's it. Like to my little, you know, reptile brain, losing the house is the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me in life. We get to that point. We're looking at it. And I'm not going to judge and you shouldn't either how likely it is that those risks will happen. And the reason is this. There are an infinite number of variables that can alter your course. You simply cannot solve for all of them. If you've given your life any amount of thought, you can probably point to a thing. This event 
in a circuitous way led to this thing that you have in your life now that you love. I think a lot of us have that that thing that exists. For me, it was a job I really, really loved. And it was something that I never, I would have said it was impossible for me to do this job. It was in a really high tech field, um, heavy on science, heavy on engineering. It had some healthcare medicine stuff going on too. I have none of that experience. And if I had seen this job listed somewhere, I would have said, it's impossible for me to get that job. Impossible. I'm not qualified. I can't do it. And I got it, and the experience of getting it was pretty effortless. I would never have been able to predict that. The other thing that I don't want you to do with this scenario is to start creating plans on how to avoid it. That leads me straight into point three, which is keep your focus on what you have to gain, not what you have to lose. You have probably heard this analogy before about racing the sports car. I think I first heard it from Tony Robbins. You have to keep your eye on where you want to go. So if you're, you're driving a race car and you're going around the track, you don't focus on the wall. You keep your eye on the track itself because otherwise like you're going to steer the car wherever your focus is, wherever your eyes are looking is the direction that you're going to turn the wheel. So in terms of your goals, that is the reason I don't want you to spend really any time looking at your worst case scenario. I just want you to address it. We can't address what we don't look at, right? On the flip side of that, I want you now to write down your desired outcome like and describe it in detail. Include all of the little details that might be disturbing you right now, that might make you feel a little anxious about, oh, I can't do this because of XYZ little detail. So for example, one of the mental hiccups that I had about quitting my job was that I would no longer have an employer contribution to my HSA. And that is not a rational thought. Like it might be true, like yes, it's going to go away, but it's not a rational thought or reason to stay in my job because it is $120 a month. This is totally minor in the big picture of things. Like if I imagine leaving and going on to start a business and being successful, $120 a month going into an HSA account should not be a core factor in my decision making. But it was tripping me up. Every time I thought about making the leap, I came back to and tripped over this idea of the HSA contribution. So I wrote it down in my plan. Like I wrote it down in my vision that my business would contribute to my HSA instead of having my job contribute to it. You're going to want to reference this document, this scenario a lot. Like I would say at least daily and maybe even multiple times throughout the day as you are kind of going through the ebbs and flows of fear and faith. And then finally, the way to make peace with with the possibility of fiasco is just to accept it as part of a package deal. You know, it's like, I like to say it's like going to a movie. You cannot know if you like a movie you've never seen. Can't know that if you've never seen the movie. You can read reviews and you can ask friends, but you aren't gonna know if you like it unless you pay the price, buy the ticket, and actually see the show. The only way 
you're going to find out what you're capable of is by paying the price and taking the ride. And I am going to argue that the possibility of fiasco is the price you have to pay. I'm not saying the fiasco itself is the price, but the possibility is the price that you're going to have to pay in order to find out. If you are struggling to make a decision and take a leap into faith, here is what I want to leave you with. The possibility of fiasco will always be there. But as Joseph Campbell says, so is the possibility of bliss. I will always encourage you to let the possibility of bliss take up more space in your psyche than the fear of the fiasco. Do you dare? Do you dare to risk the possibility of fiasco for the possibility of fulfillment? Have a wonderful week, and here is to something interesting happening.